When a crisis comes to Mexico, a group of knowledgeable and courageous people spring into action. They're called fixers, and without their help, stories out of Tijuana and other border cities might not get told. Fixers connect international journalists to migrants, drug lords, and ordinary Mexicans, and they also serve as translators of language, culture, and expectations. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Gustavo Solis, you're a part of the border team at the Union-Tribune, and recently you wrote a story about fixers. What do these people do? Right. Fixers basically do all of the behind-the-scenes work that goes into getting a news article. Um, and they're used pretty often in in Mexico or really all around the world in, mm-hmm. in war zones, natural disaster zones, anywhere the international media kind of flocks to. So the way fixers work usually, if, if a reporter from like a big international news organization like the LA Times or the New York Times, if they're dropping in to Tijuana for a week or a month to work on a story, they will call a fixer, usually a local journalist who knows Tijuana. They know the town, they have contacts there, they have sources there, and the fixer is sort of the the person who does everything to facilitate the reporting process. Mm-hmm. So like... Are these people that have been doing it for years, or is there like a Craigslist for fixers? Like, how do you find one? Word of mouth and networking. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these fixers, uh, they go to conferences mm-hmm. all over the country, all over the world. They go through workshops. They run into reporters. And generally, sometimes it'll be a reporter from, let's say, the LA Times. They will read something in local media that a reporter in Tijuana did, and they'll just sort of stumble upon this role of being a fixer. Mm-hmm. And what's in it for the fixers? Like, do they like charge a rate? Like, how does that work? Uh, money. Yeah, that's yeah. what's in it for a fixer. They're usually you can get pretty decent money if you work on it, but it's not a very stable job because it's dependent on outside reporters going to your town. Mm -hmm. If it's a big, big organization, um, I mean, they can pay as much as 300 to 400 a day Mm -hmm. um, just to to be with the reporters all day while they do their own work. So I guess for Tijuana, the, the biggest kind of international focus was when the first migrant caravan showed up. So how did the fixtures react and help kind of tell that story to the world? Right. Well, the the fixers, they they didn't really sleep that much during mm-hmm. that whole time. Uh, when the caravan arrived, they brought with them reporters from all over the country. Right. BBC from the UK, uh, Channel Four and Channel Seven from Australia, public television from France and Italy, reporters from Japan and China and South Africa. They all came to our backyard mm-hmm. to work on those stories. The majority of those reporters had never worked in Mexico before, had never been to Tijuana before, and they could not have done the work that they did without fixers. So when when the caravan arrived, there were so many reporters here that fixers just had to do all of that work, and there, mm-hmm. there were more reporters than there were fixers, so they had to get other people to become fixers as well, even people who had never done it before. Uh, like, for example, in the story, there was a gentleman who owns a tourism company in Tijuana. He had never done journalism, although his father was a journalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had never worked with journalists, but 
tourism dried up because of the caravan. People from San Diego were kind of iffy about going to TJ. So someone kind of half jokingly said, hey, instead of driving tourists around, why don't you drive journalists around? And he mm-hmm. ended up spending a couple of weeks with the photography team from Reuters that won a Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that was when the, the tear gas thing happened, right? That The photo of the, the woman grabbing her two uh, small children, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a completely iconic photo that captured the, the tension of that moment. And it, it was done partly because of the work of a fixer. And do you have a sense about how many fixers are in Mexico? Oh, and, and no idea. I mean, yeah. it's difficult to say just because no one does fixer work full time, uh-huh. right? A lot of these people are independent journalists or freelancers. And then when a big story comes to Tijuana, then they'll do the fixer work. But I know they're all over. I mean, Mexico mm-hmm. City has them. They're down in Chiapas in the Mexico southern border with Guatemala. Um it's difficult to say exactly how many, mm-hmm. but they are a lot. And whenever a lot of American journalists from New York Times, Vice, BuzzFeed, they all use fixers too. So how do fixers kind of deal with the inherent danger of some of these stories? Because typically when you're going to you know a place like this, you're not reporting on you know a safe story. You're dealing with drugs, violence. So how do they kind of mediate that? Right. It, it should be noted that fixers assume a lot of risk, right? Because the stories, the international stories out of Tijuana uh, always sort of end up having to do with crime, with immigration, with human smuggling, with cartels, with drug smuggling. And the fixers will assume the majority of that risk because once the story is published, the international journalists will go back to their countries, whereas the fixer will stay in Tijuana. Mm-hmm. A lot of them prepare throughout the year. Like when there's no fixing fixer work in Tijuana, they'll go to workshops uh, put on by groups like um, there, there's a nonprofit, an international nonprofit called the Committee to Protect Journalists. Mm-hmm. They'll do um, workshops about how to handle yourself in a hostile territory with CPR training, with having an escape plan ready. And a lot of the fixers I talk to do that type of thing. Um, they'll call people before they go to a questionable interview. They'll have a plan uh, of escape, another plan for what happens if something goes wrong. Um, and they're just extra cautious about it. Mm-hmm. And I imagine a lot of this is just a matter of kind of communicating the reality of what Tijuana or any city is like because when you're visiting for the first time, it's hard to know the kind of secret language that occurs in a place. Right, exactly. That's sort of the interesting, one of the many interesting parts of uh, being a fixer. You're not just a guy like a tour guide. You're not just driving someone around. A lot of times you are hosting a journalist from a different culture, from a different continent who has never worked in Mexico. So you have to almost be a cultural translator as well. one of the fixers, Jorge Nieto, gave an example of like in Mexico when, when a source says, yeah, we'll talk in 15 minutes, they don't always mean we'll talk in 15 minutes. It may be a couple hours or a couple days and you'll talk eventually. And um, some European journalists aren't used to working in that style. There's a lot of frustration, miscommunication. So a fixer really kind of holds your hand through that process. Mm-hmm. And, and those cultural barriers are sometimes even more difficult to cross than the language ones sometimes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, in terms of setting up an interview, with whether it be setting up an interview with a drug dealer or a politician, it's, 
it's a different set of rules that mm. aren't written online. You only know through experience, and uh, that's what the fixers bring to the table. One thing that didn't make it to the story that that um, I, I was very interested in um, was one fixer I talked to was uh, Gabby Martinez, who who's the only uh, woman I spoke with, although uh-huh. she's not the only woman doing fixer work in Tijuana. Um, and she just gave me an interesting perspective on that front. She's worked with a lot of people over the years. And normally, I think it's sort of assumed that a fixer is going to be a man. Yeah. So to be a woman in that world, especially working in a sort of violent city in, in Mexico, it, it gave her a different perspective. And I remember her telling me a story about working with a, a, a female journalist who specifically requested a female fixer because she just always gets stuck working with male fixers all the mm-hmm. time and nothing against male fixers. Um, but she just wanted to, uh, the journalist, She she's a, a feminist from Europe, she just really wanted to promote more women in news, mm-hmm. more women fixers. Um, she actually asked uh, Gabby Martinez to try to go out of her way to find subjects, people to interview who are women to get women's voices in the news. Mm-hmm. So in terms of diversity, um, I, I thought that was a very interesting takeaway. And your story uh, featured one uh, one fixer, uh, Margarito Martinez. Why don't you describe his kind of workflow? Yeah, Margarito Martinez, he, he's just a character. Uh, everyone in Tijuana actually calls him Cuatro Cuatro Four Four. It's sort of like his call sign mm-hmm. over there. And he is like an old-school, traditional um, crime and mayhem reporter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually has a really big following on Facebook, and he drives around Tijuana listening to a police scanner. And when something happens, he takes a lot of pride in being the first at the scene. Mm -hmm. So he's the person to talk to if you want to write a story about homicide in Tijuana uh, or or escalating cartel violence. Uh, And he got into fixing work because of his professional journalism work. He's a photojournalist, and people recognized his photos. He had a reputation of being the first at the scene and and always having an ear on the ground. He's sort of an old-school shoe leather reporting, right? Mm -hmm. He's never in the office. He's always out in the field. And he just gets better access than anybody. Mm -hmm. So as a fixer, that's extremely valuable um, to have because journalists coming in from Tijuana can really quickly, by hanging out with Margarito Martinez, just get a really good inside view into how crime happens. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes when you have someone from someone else go to a certain place and report a story, the people that live there sometimes get frustrated with how it's described, like every once in a while, um, the UT or the Los Angeles Times makes fun of the New York Times for saying something weird about California. So <laughs> what are those kind of mistakes that the international press makes about Tijuana and Mexico that kind of frustrates people who live there and here because we're, you know, a, a border city? Yeah, well, something that pretty much every fixer told me was that they, there's this hyper-focus or maybe just people have the blinders turned on when they're looking at Tijuana and they just think Tijuana is associated with violence and the border. Mm -hmm. 
And and that's not true. There's so much going on in Tijuana. It's a city that's bigger than San Diego, right? There's they have more sports teams than San Diego does. They have a thriving arts and culture and um, food scene over there, right? They have um, I think there's a teenager who recently qualified for the Olympics in fencing. Wow. Yeah, there's all these little things that are happening in Tijuana that, by and large, the international media and even the Union Tribune and the LA Times will overlook to do the the obvious story about crime and mayhem in Tijuana. Just the fixers, they are from there. They have this uh, love and appreciation from their hometown, and they just wish that the international reporters could see and recognize their city's beauty and share that with the world instead of just sharing all of the negative things that are normally associated with Tijuana. Yeah, it's kind of the old adage, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, and exactly. That's kind of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny. It's like that's something that I think currently most Americans feel like the media aren't representing them in the proper way. So in a sense, maybe there needs to be more fixing for, you know, more domestic reporting in a sense. <laughs> Yeah, I think that would be helpful, right? <laughs> Talking to more people who actually know things. That's what journalism should be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess uh, for you, uh, after speaking to these individuals that do reporting differently from you do, what did you learn from them? I think just an appreciation for their work. You know, I, I, I first got the idea to write this story last year when the caravan was around. Because I saw the chaos that was that coverage, right? It was reporters mm-hmm. all over the place. It was thousands of migrants in cramped conditions. It was rainy. It was cold. Uh, people were getting sick. It was just chaos. And you could hear people speaking in all kinds of languages when they were doing their stand-ups to report. Uh, and it just stuck with me how hard the fixers were working to set mm-hmm. everything up. Uh, I think they slept, some of them slept three or four hours for for a month wow. to, to get that story done. Um, and that just had an impact on me. And I wanted to go back and just sort of see what these men and women do. Because, and I think it's stated in the article, they don't, the fixers normally aren't given credit in the reporting process. They're not mm-hmm. giving a byline um, or they're not shown in the credits at the end of a news story. And when those international reporters go on to win awards, the fixers aren't named. I mean, yes, they get paid for their work, and that's great, but they're also journalists at heart, and they're doing the journalism work, but they don't get that recognition. And because they don't get that recognition, that's why I wanted to highlight uh, their work. Uh, and All right. Gustavo Solis, thank you so much. Thank you. In other border news, activists held a rally in San Ysidro Sunday demanding better treatment for women being held by Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Treatment of migrants reached a flashpoint over the summer when immigration lawyers described cramped cells, unsanitary conditions, and little to no access to hygiene products such as toothbrushes. Women face additional challenges including harassment, sexual assault, and lack of access to feminine hygiene products. Dolores Huerta, an icon of feminism and labor, spoke at the event, calling for activists to vote in the coming election. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. 
You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrip.com slash podcasts. Until next time.